Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Continue the series about All In. I think we've been having a good month here at church, and we talked about the first week about doing life together in life groups. We talked about prayer, praying for your church. Last week we talked about giving, why we give financially. And this week I want to talk about the importance of serving in your church and being a servant. And uh, today I want to talk about the power of a team. The power of a team. But let's start here in the book of Psalm 100 and verse 2. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come on, I need a little more gladness when we say that. No, it's not a duty. It's not because I have to. Do we got to come to church? Do I have to work ministry helps? No, come on now, somebody. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. In verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God, and it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. I love this verse 5. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is The Power of Team. So today we're going to be talking about how do you go all in with your church and how do you go all in with God in a real practical way. And we're going to talk about team today and that's why we're calling it Rep Your Team Day. That's why a lot of you have jerseys on and you got your favorite team. Uh, we won't mention some of them in here that are worn, but uh, this is IU, who's your nation in this house. Okay, I'm going to get off that so you'll pay attention to me. Um, I tried to be as neutral as possible, and I rep Church on the Rock, which Church on the Rock means IU. Okay, so <laughs> this is who's your nation. Um, but you need to realize this. There's power in team. The sports world knows that. Great individuals win achievements, but great Teams win championships. That's why it's so important, you know, that the church world is not just a few people that have uh, charisma and that are talented and that are gifted and that are, that are popular and well-known. You know, that's important, but it takes great teams to win championships. It, cre- it takes great teams to have longevity. It takes great teams to, to, to be uh, good, good enough to to last more than a few years. It takes great, great teams to win championships. There's a reason our church has been around for 36 years. It's not because of one person or two people or three people. It's because there's been a group of people that decided we're going to be a great team and we want to win some championships. And we've had some great success before, but there's only greater days in the future. But there's power in a team. Now, I don't want any booze when I start listing some of these teams, but, you know, New England Patriots... People hate on them because they win. But great teams have great championships. Yeah, there's, there's players on the teams that are great, but there's a great team, so they win a lot of championships. The Chicago Bulls. Yeah, there's a great player named Michael Jordan, but he's also surrounded by a great team, and they win championships. The New York Yankees, yeah, they have different star players, but they exchange the players, and they're a great team, so great teams win championships. So we as a church family, we make up a team in this house, and the Bible says that we all have a part to play in God's house. We all don't have the same part. We all play a different part. Everyone has a part to play in this team that God is building. God's plan and God's mission takes all of us in here. Do you realize that, you know, great teams, they have certain players that do certain things? Like, Basketball, for instance, they, they get a player that's not a good shooter, but he's going to be the best defender out there. And he's going to bother the other team so much. And that's all he gets paid to do is bother the other team. Trash talk the other team. But they, they hire certain players to just be defenders and to just get rebounds. That's, that's all. You're not paid to shoot. Don't shoot. You're just paid to rebound and defend. There's certain people that they're not called to dunk. They're just called to shoot three-pointers. That's all you're on the team for. Just shoot three-pointers because that's your gift. That's your grace. It's the same way with the body of Christ. 
We're all on a team here, and we all have different parts to play. We all have different gifts. We all have different graces, and they're all different, so we can't compare ourselves to each other because every part matters. Michael Jordan cannot hit the game-winning shot unless Dennis Rodman got the rebound. Tom Brady could not do what he does unless the people blocked for him so he could even throw a pass. Everyone plays a part and great teams win championships. Great individuals can win some minor achievements, but great teams win championships. The Bible talks about team, but it uses this word, a body. We are the body of Christ. The church is a body. And the Bible says in Corinthians that the body has many parts, just like a team has many parts. And the body of Christ has different graces and gifts on it. We all don't do the same thing. In Corinthians, it says that the body of Christ, the church, has many parts, none without significance. All parts are needed. Now, we know that if you've ever injured one part of your body, sometimes you have never thought about that part of your body until you injured it. And you're like, what did I do without my toe? What did I, what did I do without my pinky toe? What did I do without my elbow hurting? What did I do when, when one side of your, your ear was feeling, feeling kind of weird and you couldn't hear out of it? You're like, what happened? My whole life is spinning out of control because one part's not working right. It affects the whole entire body. It's the same way with the church and this church and every other church on the, in the world is every part matters. None are without significance. All parts are needed in your body, just like all members of the team are needed to win championships. And the Bible says that the parts that are needed the most are the parts you can't see. I'm about to preach. My part is really not even the most important part of this church. It's the people you can't see that are doing stuff behind the scenes that make a bigger difference than what happens right here. I'm not saying I don't have a part to play in it. I have a part in the body. I have a part of the team. But I can't do what I'm called to do if you're not doing what you're called to do. And it says the parts we can't see are more important. You can't see your heart. It's kind of more important than your arm or your ear. Because you couldn't live without your heart. You can't see your brain. It's more important than the parts you can see. It's the same way with every church. There's people that you can't see that aren't up front, that don't maybe have these, these vocal gifts that get up in front of everybody, and everybody's like, well, pastor's got the gifts. No, I couldn't do what I'm doing if Brother Sean's not doing what he's doing. I couldn't do what I'm doing if Miss Donna's not doing what she's doing. I couldn't do what I'm doing today. You wouldn't even hear me unless Brother Josh Gedney turned up this microphone and put a battery in it so you could hear me. The air conditioning going on. I didn't turn that on. Miss Jenny turned that on. Someone turned on these lights this morning. Somebody's taking care of your kids this morning so you can pay attention for more than two minutes. Let's be thankful for that. The parts you can't see are more important than the part that you can see. Let's thank the people that are watching your kids right now so you can actually focus for a few hours and hear the word of God. So the Bible says that every part matters just like every part of a team matters. I love this quote, and I've quoted it for years, but John Maxwell, uh, who wrote many books on leadership, says, teamwork makes the dream work. Now, that sounds kind of cheesy and corny, but it's true, because there's a dream that God has put in our heart as a church, and it only happens with a team. There's a dream that God's put in your heart for your own life, but it only happens with a team. Teamwork makes a dream work. There's been prophecies spoken over this church. There's been dreams. There's been plans. There's been visions. God has done a lot in 36 years, but there's so much more that God wants to do. And there's big dreams and big plans, but it's going to take more than me to do it. It's going to take more than just a few people here and a few people here. It's going to take all of us together. Teamwork makes a dream work. Brian Houston said this of Hillsong Church, great churches are not built 
on the talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. Great churches. That's what we want to be. I don't want to be a mediocre church. I don't want to be an average church. I don't want to be a good church, little corner church, insignificant church, just doing our thing. We live, we die. We don't do much for the community. We don't affect anybody. We just live our lives. I don't want that. I would go home. I'd watch, you know, Good Morning America or something this morning, eat breakfast. And you don't want to be a part of that either. But great churches are not built on the talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. That's what's important because people have to play their part. Every part of the body matters. Every part of the body has to be functioning in the grace that God has given them. Every part of the team needs to do their position and their part. Everyone. That's how you build a great church. That's how you fulfill the dreams that God has placed into your heart. Not when a few people are doing it and the rest of the people are watching. Now I'm about to preach. You thought I've been really sweet so far. And I'm still going to be sweet, but it's going to be a little bit challenging sweet. What I've seen in watching sports is the most vocal people are the people in the stands. The people that talk the most are the spectators, not the participators. The people that always got the best advice are the people in the stands not doing anything. Isn't that true? Just go to a high school game. Actually, just go to your kid's elementary game. All the dads that thought they were something back in high school and haven't played sports in 20 years and look like it are the experts. Tommy, you need to, you need to cut here and go here and pass this and this. You haven't played in 20 years and you weren't even good in high school. Why are you talking? The people in the stands are the most vocal because they're not doing anything. The spectators are always the most vocal about their opinions because they're not doing anything. The people in the church that complain the most are the people that aren't doing anything. Because you don't got time to talk if you're in the game. God's looking for people to be a participator, not a spectator in what he's doing. There is no joy, there is no peace, there is no fulfillment In standing in the sidelines and complaining about what's going on, you need to be in the game and what God is doing. And what God is doing is building his church on the earth and be a participator and stop being a spectator because you can talk all day but do nothing to change it. It's easy to complain when you're not in the game. I love this. Another quote from Pastor Brian Houston. He said, it's easier to be a food critic than a chef. It's easier to be a movie critic than a director. And it's easier to be a church critic than a church builder. I don't know about you, but I've decided I'm going to be a builder of the church, not a complainer of what's wrong in the church. Not just this church, the church globally. Yeah, there's issues. But the, the way that those issues are solved is when we, we take our authority and we realize we have a part to play and we start building what Jesus is building. In Matthew, it says that Jesus is building his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'd rather be a church builder than a church critic. Complainers never build anything. And builders don't complain. Think about this. Some people would rather search to find a better church than serve to build a better church. We've seen that here many times over. Rather search to find a better church than serve and build a better church. But you know, here's the cold hard truth. When you go to the next one, there'll be issues at that church too. You know why? Because you're there. 
Because every church is full of human beings that are still in process to becoming more and more like Jesus. So there will always be issues. There will always be things that we need to get better at. There will always be things that we need to be more excellent at. There will always need to be changes to be made for the rest of our lives because we have not arrived yet. So you can choose to skip around to find better churches, but you will never be satisfied because you will never find it. Or you can decide, I'm going to serve and build the kind of church I want to be a part of. Serve and build a better church. In Acts 7, it says that the church was growing and there was complaints. Spectators. They're complaining because things weren't getting done right. And the early church said that we need to find seven men of good report and put them into the ministry of helps or put them on the team and let them do something because people are being neglected because we need more people helping out on this team. And as soon as those seven men of good report got in the game and off the sidelines, the church grew explosively. The church grew rapidly. So maybe the missing part of our church growth is you. Well, pastor, I think it's your preaching. No, I think it's you. I think it's the worship team. No, I think it's you not doing anything. No, I I just think it's the way we dress around here. That's probably it. No, no, it's you. I think it's this and I think it's that. No, I think it's you because when those men got involved in what God was doing and stopped depending on the church leaders to do everything, and they started playing their part in building the church, and they started being a part of the team, and they got off the sidelines, the church grew rapidly. You guys still here? You still love your pastor today? This is Real Talk Sunday. This is a family message. This is something that I've thought about before. Is I've heard people say this. Um, well, why don't you know? Why don't we change this as a church? Or why don't we do this as a church? You know, I've seen other churches do this, and we should do that as a church, and we should do that as a church. And why does our church do this? And why doesn't our church do that? Let me. Analyze this statement real quick. <laughs> By saying that, you're trying to separate yourself from the church you're a part of. Last time I checked, you is your church. So instead of saying, why isn't my church doing this, why aren't you doing this? Because you is your church. Well, why doesn't our church do more for the poor? Well, you is your church, so go ahead and do something for the poor. Why doesn't our church do this and the ministry helps? Well, you is your church. Go ahead and do it in your church. But we try to say that to escape from the responsibility of taking ownership for the success of our church. By distancing ourselves like, I got it together, but my church has got issues. (laughs) No. You is your church. And if it ain't happening in your church, it's you. All right. You're glad you came today still. Come on, we got to get honest with ourselves. We got to get real about these things because I'm tired of seeing people be spectators and not participators. I'm tired of seeing people complain in the church world. And I'm not just saying this church. I'm saying the church globally. I've been in church my whole life. I've known people from all sorts of churches. Majority of people complain and don't build anything. And then they wonder why the church globally and the church locally is so weak. Because there's not many people that are actually in the game participating, building, serving, giving, doing something to, to make every local church what it's called to be. And to build a better church instead of searching to find one that they like. You know, the thing about that is there is always going to be some truth about churches changing. Every church. The best church on the planet that you could mention today has issues. 
the best church that you could think of today still needs to change. Because we're always going to be in process of changing. And I want you to know as your pastor, we have made changes as a church over 36 years. Or we still, still we wouldn't be here. And we have done things and we've done a lot of things over the past five or six years. But there's more changes to come. There's more ways to get better. And I see that. Lest you think that you're the only person that God has anointed to see what's wrong in our church, you're not. And I want to say this honestly, I'm the biggest critic of this church more than anyone here. You guys got a great attitude compared to me. I see everything wrong with this church. Everything. If the music's not right, if something's in the hallway that shouldn't be there, if a light's out, if the air conditioning's working different, if there's something in the mic, I notice everything. You know why? Because it's my church. And it's going to be excellent. And it's going to be the way God's called it to be. So lest you think that you have arrived and you know all things wrong with this church and pastor doesn't recognize it. No, I'm more critical than you are of this church. I'm more critical of my messages than you are. I'll be like, Pastor, you did great. I'm thinking, I blew it. You know why? Because I know we can get better. And I know we can change. And I'm not saying this in a negative way, but I'm saying this to tell you, I know as your pastor, and we are working on it, and it's not lack of vision, it's lack of people to change. So if you're thinking, Pastor, you got a lot of blind spots. No, I don't. I know everything wrong with this church. But I need some people in this church to help me fix it, to help me change it, to help us to get better. Because I can't do it by myself. So yeah, I agree with you. There's always going to be things in our church that needs to change. Just like every other church. And here's another side note. You can't change everything next week. But notice God's looking and so am I are looking for people that want to help build. Not criticize it. They want to help build, not complain about it. They want to help build and say, okay, we do need to change in this area. Or we do need to pay more attention in this area. Or we do need to talk about that more at church. Or we do need to emphasize that more. Okay, I'm with you. I just need people with me to change it. And by me saying that about being critical of our church, I'm not saying I don't love this church. I love this church more than anybody. But I'm saying as your pastor... I take account of what goes on in our church because I want it to be the best it can be. I want it to be excellent in every area. And I know we're not all the time, but we want to be that way. But as your pastor, I know things need to change, but I need people to help me change it. You still here? Okay, let's keep going. Can you handle any more? Okay, we're going to get a little bit deeper here. Now, this is a family message. If you just got here today, God bless you. This isn't for you. This is for people that have been here. You can be a part anytime you want. Here's a question to ask yourself. If everyone acted like you, would our church be better or worse? Ask yourself that. Now, now this is real talk. Come on now, because why? We're trying to build the church. If everyone gave financially like you, would our church be better or worse? If the answer is no, check your heart. If everyone served on ministry helps like you, would our church be better or worse? If the answer is no, no condemnation, but check your heart in here. If everyone prayed for the church like you do, would our church be better or worse? Now, it's one thing to wear an all-in bracelet, but I'm talking about being all-in. We like the bracelets. We like the signage. We like the fun stuff. We like we're wearing sports stuff. But this is how you practically be all-in. If the church is getting worse because I'm involved in it, then I need to check my heart. If everyone acted like you, would our church be better or worse? 
You know what that question is? That's taking ownership for the success of your church. That's taking ownership for building your church. That's being covenant to what God is building and where God has placed you and planted you in. So would it be better or worse? Only you can answer that question. But if it's no, I just ask you to check your heart and check your spirit on what God's telling you. The thing is, the Western world and the Western culture, which we live in as Americans, we have been taught consumerism Christianity, not contributing Christianity. And consumerism Christianity has been taught because that's where Americans live. Consume, consume, consume. It's all about me. What do I get out of it? It's all about me. What do I get out of it? Am I entertained? Am I bored? Am I happy? Does this make me feel good? Is that too early? Is that too late? It's all about me. And somehow that consumerism Christianity has infiltrated the church when the church should be the most selfless community on the earth. And instead of consuming, we should be contributing to what God is doing. I'm not, not, I'm not saying there's never a time to be consuming. Like, if you don't get anything out of this church, I don't think you should come here. But don't just stop there, because a lot of you do. You're just like, I like the worship, I like the preaching, I like the things that happen. I'm consuming, but let's go to the next step and say, I've received much, I'm going to give much. I, I've consumed much, I'm going to contribute much. I've been given a lot, so I'm going to serve a lot because I'm not just going to be on the sidelines. Instead of saying, what's in it for me, how about how can I help my church succeed? We've been taught convenient community instead of covenant community. What is convenient community? And a lot of us do this still. People that aren't even here today are doing this today. Convenient community says, I'll come when I'm not busy. I'll serve if I have time this week. I'll give if I have a little bit left over at the end of the month. We've been taught convenient community, not covenant community once again that is the world's ideas and culture being infiltrated into the church consumerism convenience are not bible words they're not the way of jesus they're not what a follower of jesus should be like the follower of jesus should be contributing and should be covenant in his mindset towards god and his church Covenant means you are committed to the success of another. When it's good and when it's bad. When it's easy and when it's hard. When people persecute your church, you're faithful. When you get convicted on a Sunday morning, you still keep coming because you're faithful. Because you know your pastor loves you and he's telling you the truth because he loves you. Covenant says, I'm committed to the success of another. But this world has taught us the complete opposite and those ideas have come into the church. I know I'm asking you some questions on things you need to judge in your own heart. I can't give you the answer. You have to know for yourself, am I consuming or contributing to this church? Am I doing it out of convenience or a covenant mindset? Hold yourself to the same standard as the pastor. Pastor, you get paid to do this. Yeah. But I was coming before I got paid to do this. Is there weeks I don't feel like being here? Maybe. I still come. You know why? Because you wouldn't have a preacher. But the same principle doesn't apply to you. So I'm tired and I can't stay home, but you're tired and you can stay home. 
No, covenant, covenant says, I'm going to get up out of bed. Because it's amazing the people that are too tired to get up for church are not too tired to get up to go to work at 5 o'clock on Monday. I need way more better response than this today. Isn't that true? You know why? Because you get paid and you're, you care more about money than you do about God. The people that can't work in ministry or helps can volunteer hours for the whole entire weekend for your kid's club team. Literally 48 hours of volunteer service every weekend just for your kid to play sports when they're not going to college anyways. Okay? They're, they're not Steph Curry. They're not LeBron James. Get a reality check. But you can do that every weekend for months and months and months and, and volunteer 48 hours. But we say, hey, could you volunteer an hour a week and maybe help us at church? Oh, I'm busy. Do you want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth will help you, God? Because that's what I'm preaching to you today. I love every one of you in here, but you need to know this. We're all thinking this. We're just not honest enough to vocalize this, but your pastor is today. Let's just be real. If we can do it in this area in our life, why can't we do it for the most important thing, which is building this church? How does that make any sense whatsoever? The answer is it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's called you care about other things more than God and building this house. And where is that going to get you in the end? Nowhere. Nowhere. In eternity, not going to matter. In your future, not going to matter. Your kid doing everything at their school and on their sports team and for academics might matter, but what will matter is that they're plugged into the house of God, as if they're serving in the house of God, as if they're giving in the house of God, because guess what? They're not going to do that the rest of their life. And if you didn't put the right things in them to make church a priority right now, they're not going to be here when they're 20. They're not going to be here when they're 30 or 40. Why? Because you told them that everything else is more important than God. Okay, I need to get back on my notes. Do you still love me today? Okay, come on. I'm just trying to help you today. The thing is that everyone is serving something. There's no such thing as, I serve no one. I don't bow to anyone. I don't serve anyone. I'm my own person. I'm independent. I'm living my own truth. No one can tell me what to do. No, you're serving people. Serving your job. Serving money. You're serving your sexuality. Serving your gender. You're serving your entertainment. You're serving sports. You're serving shopping. I could keep going here. You're serving a lot. Of, there's no such thing as I'm serving nothing. And I'm not worshiping anything. And I'm not giving my life for anything. No, we all are. It's not a question if we are. It's who we are serving. And who we are giving our life for. And who we are worshiping. It's not, I'm just not serving anyone. So how about we make it the right thing? The only thing that will give us the peace we want. That the new purse cannot buy. That the sports achievement cannot buy. That the money cannot buy. That the relationship cannot buy. That the hobby cannot buy. The joy we're looking for. And we're looking and serving everything else to try to get us there. And it will never get us there. But then you have a pastor who talks honestly with you on a Sunday morning. You get offended at him because he told you the truth when you're serving everything else. I'm just giving you the shortcut. We could go around the long way or the straight way. A lot of people try to go the long way. It's like, I'm going to go try to do my own thing, and then I'm going to be a prodigal son and daughter when I'm about 30 because I'm going to get married, and then I'm going to start having kids. And I'm going to get back in church and get my life back together again. Or maybe you do that at 40 or 50. Or we could just go to the straight shoot and let me tell you the answer already. It's not in any of those things. Any of those other things you try to serve other than God and other than building this church will leave you empty and hopeless, no peace, no joy, no fulfillment, no satisfaction. And the more you get, the more hungry you will be.
God bless you today. Everyone is serving something. Now let's read in Joshua 24 in verse 15. It's a familiar verse. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then you choose today whom you will serve. Would you rather prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me, that's where I needed my organ. Uh-huh. In my family, or the King James says, in my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, how many, how many had a real Holy Ghost mama? They had this picture in their house. They had it on the wall, and they pointed to it often. No, as for me in my house, we go serve the Lord. Every time your smart like teenager, teenager came through the, through the room, hey, 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 as for me in this house, we go serve the Lord around here. But this is not just a refrigerator scripture. Or a wall art from Hobby Lobby picture. You know they have this at Hobby Lobby, this scripture. It's on there somewhere. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Live, laugh, love, and laughter in. What's it? Live, laugh, love? Okay. Same thing. It's at Hobby Lobby. They're probably in the same aisle together. But notice what he says. He doesn't say... Serve God or serve nothing. He goes, you're going to serve something, whether it's the gods of other things or the true God. But you're going to serve something, so choose. Make a decision about what you're going to do the rest of your life. Make a decision about who you're going to serve. Make a decision today. Man, I'm pretty loud, aren't I? Notice what he says, you're either going to serve these gods. Now Joshua was going into a new territory, and there was all sorts of gods of all these, these, these anti-god religions. They had all these different deities and gods that were not the true and living God. And he says, either you're going to serve them, or you're going to serve me. But there's no neutral ground here. And church family, you need to know that. There's no neutral ground. You're serving something. Whether by choice or default, you're serving something. And I'm telling you this morning, you need to choose. If you're going to be all in, you need to choose. And as for you and your house, we're going to serve the Lord. And by serving the Lord means not just coming to church. It means coming to church. It means giving of our money. It means serving in the ministry of helps. It means praying for our church. It's being a part of community. When we have a fellowship, you're there. When we call for a service, you're there. And you make that decision. You choose. And I want to say this again to all the parents and grandparents in here. You have to choose for your kids. Because they don't know the answer yet. We got a few mamas and grandmamas clapping at me. You got to choose. My mom and dad never gave me an option. You're going to be at church. Unless you're going to the emergency room, you're going to be at church. And you're going to give your tithes or you're going to live in the garage. And you're going to work in ministry of helps or you're not going to be in this house. You know why? Because I didn't know what was best for my life. And they had to make a choice. As for me, in this house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we're going to get our attitudes to reflect that. And we're going to get our choices to reflect that. Because you will thank me later when you're a young adult and you need God because you served in the house of the Lord. I can't preach any harder than I'm preaching this morning. you got to hear what I'm saying today. you got to make that choice for you, for your marriage, for your kids, for your kids' kids, and anyone's involved with you. If you want to be with me, as for me, we're going to church. As for me, we're serving the Lord. And we're not going to have a bad attitude about it because God has done everything for us. He has given us every good thing in this life. It's a privilege to be at church. It's an honor to serve in God's house. It's the most important thing you could do. Greater than getting invited to a sports camp. Greater than getting invited to the White House. Greater than getting an educational award. Greater than winning the lottery is to work and be in God's house. 
and preach it like you feel it, Pastor. I will. I say it because I love you. Did I talk back to my parents? Yes, still do. Sometimes. Only mom, not dad. Let's clarify. No comments, no comments. I didn't, I didn't open that for a comment. See, look, she, wrote, she put her mask down. Where's the security? Usher, go ahead. She's being, she's not distancing herself and her mask is not up. But I tried them. I tested their faith. And you know what the answer is? You're still going. Well, I don't want to serve ministry helps. Okay, you're still serving. Well, I don't want to give my money. I just got this. It doesn't matter. You're still giving it. And if you don't give it, I'll take the whole thing. Am I offending you? I I realize we live in such a gentle, tender culture. We can't talk like this anymore. Now, the thing is, I have an eight-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and I'm just starting to get the pushback a little bit now. I haven't experienced this yet, and I've had to talk to her before. No, we're going. No, you're doing this. It's already starting. You know why? Because I'm trying to be a good dad. And I know in the future she might not appreciate it right now, but in the future she'll thank me. Because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. No options. I need to wrap this up. (laughs) Jesus said that he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. If anyone deserved a free pass to not serve, would be Jesus. (laughs) If it was like, you've earned it to not serve and to be just worshipped. Like, let's all just bring you everything. But Jesus says that the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. And that's what Jesus' life reflected was servant leadership. He served his disciples. He served... Uh, all the people around him. He served the multitudes. He served and healed people. He lived his life to serve. And we should be like Jesus. Because Jesus was saying the most fulfilling life is a life of service to others. Service to God and to others. But God cares about not only your service, but how you serve. God cares more about your attitude than your actions. Parents, grandparents, you know the difference between doing, your kids doing what you ask them to do when their heart's in it and when their heart's not in it. They're doing it all right. Okay, I'll do it. But their heart is far from you. How many know you don't appreciate that? Neither does God. And we got so many Christians. I guess I'll give if I have to. I guess I'll serve because pastor pressured me into it if I have to. Another service? Really? I was going to watch the game tonight. God cares that you serve, but he cares more about how you serve. God cares about your actions, but he cares more about your attitude and your actions. He wants to know that your heart's in it. He wants to know that you care about it. And that's what I've been saying all day. We get to serve. We don't have to serve. It's a privilege to serve God. 
not a duty to serve God. Let's pull up Psalm 100 and verse 2. And I'm closing. I'm laying in the plane. I promise. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. Serve him with gladness. Your attitude, not just your actions. I got to get up when and come to church. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. I got to do what at church? Serve the Lord with gladness because God cares about your attitude more than he does just your actions. We need to remind ourselves it's a privilege to get to do what God has called us to do. Psalm 84.10. Listen to the words of David who was a man after God's own heart. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Next verse in the message. I love this. One day spent in your house. This beautiful place of worship beats thousands spent on Greek island beaches. And I'd take a Greek island beach right, right about now. Notice he said, I'd rather scrub floors in the house of my God than be honored as a guest in the palace of sin. Yeah, his actions were there, but his attitude was right. No, I get to do this. It's a privilege to do this. I'd rather be here than anywhere else. I'd rather be doing what God has called me to do than anything else. It's an honor to be called to do this. And he says, I'd rather be here than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be in God's house. Notice, doing ministry helps. Scrubbing the floor when nobody sees it. Opening the door when nobody sees it. I don't know if you realize this, but Mr. Melvin's here every service before almost any of us holding the door. He's not asking for an applaud. He's not asking for anything else. He's just being faithful because he has his attitude. I'd rather be here than anywhere else. I'd rather just hold the door for somebody than be anywhere else. I'd rather just scrub floors in the house of my God than be anywhere else. Why? Because it's a privilege to do what God has called us to do. And yeah, my actions are going to be there, but my attitude and my heart needs to be in it. If I can get excited about a sports team, that has no eternal significance. I could get excited about what God is doing in my church. If I could get excited about a few more hours a week and get a raise, I can be excited about what God is doing in my life. If I could get excited about a new car or new clothes, I can be excited about what God is doing in my life and in my church. And you need to understand that not everyone gets to do this. You need to think about this for a second. There's billions and billions of people that are not getting to do what we're getting to do. Not because God doesn't want them to, but because their own choices. But for whatever reason, God got you here. And he called you here. And he chose you by his grace. That you could be just a little part of what the big story of what God is doing on the earth. And not everybody gets to do that. That's a big deal. You didn't just choose him. He chose you. And it's a privilege to do this. I love this. Uh, there's been some churches I've seen that has this sign in their kind of green room area before they go out on the stage. And it says this. It's a privilege to do this. Thank you, God, for choosing me.
we all need to think that way about this place. Whatever you do here. Even the fact that you walk in those doors and there's a church here. It's a privilege to do this. Thank you, God, for choosing me. I could be anywhere else today, but God chose me and I'm here. You could be at home this morning not even knowing God, but you're not. God chose you and you're here. You could be in all sorts of places this morning and not in the house of God. But for whatever reason, God chose you and you're here. It's a privilege to do this. Thank you, God, for choosing me. Last verse. 1 Peter 4 and verse 10. And I preached myself happy today. God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use them well to serve one another. No, each of us have a gift. Most of us, multiple gifts. And notice what God says. I want you to use those gifts to, yes, serve me, but to serve one another. Your gifts aren't just for you. They're for other people. And you will never be satisfied using them on yourself. You will only be satisfied using them for God and for others. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.